Hello, and thank you for downloading this episode of the EM Clerkship Podcast. My name is Maddie Watts, and this is a series about applying and interviewing for emergency medicine residency. Today is the second of two parts on the ERAS application. Last episode, we went over the eight components of the ERAS application. If you haven't listened to that yet, it's a great overview. This episode, we'll talk more about which of those components are most important to program leadership, and then we'll dive into the nitty-gritty of how to fill out your application, primarily the most time-consuming section, which is called the curriculum vitae, in other words, the resume section. I remember hearing about ERAS sometime towards the beginning of my third year and thinking, well, that doesn't sound too hard, and truly it wasn't. But probably similar to when you filled out your AMCAS applications, once I got to the ERAS application, I had a lot of questions like, what should I include or not include on my CV? Where should I put this tidbit of information? Does this particular experience count as research? So those are the kind of questions I want to go over with you today. But first, I think it's important for us to zoom out a little bit. All of us have the same goal, matching at our dream residency. And we all know that the ERAS application is the yellow brick road that takes us there. But now that you know the eight components of the ERAS application, you may be wondering which of these components matters most when it comes to matching at my dream residency. A 2018 study looked to find out just that. It surveyed about 120 people from the Emergency Medicine Program leadership. This study showed that three things mattered most. The first was overall evaluations on slows acquired from home and away rotations. The second was the residency interview. And the third was clinical grades on EM rotations. All of those things got an average of about eight out of 10 or higher in importance. Overall clinical clerkship grades were the next most important factor After that were USMLE Step 1 and 2 scores, the MSPE or Dean's Letter, and extracurricular or volunteer work. Of least importance, around 4 out of 10, was the personal statement, AOA status, preclinical grades, and research experience. If you want to take a closer look at this research article, I'll link it in the show notes. But to review, the most important things were slows, clinical grades on EM rotations, and the residency interview. Since whether or not you get an interview depends on the ERAS application, then the only two things that actually go on the ERAS application are slows and EM grades. While knowing this can increase student stress about performing well on home and away rotations, many find it reassuring. EM as a whole places less emphasis on standardized testing, numerical grades, and things like number of publications. It does, however, value how you perform in the department. I chose to see this as a huge positive. On rotation, you have the opportunity to work with a bunch of different residents and faculty of different working styles. You have the opportunity to show both what you know and also show a willingness to learn and work hard. And finally, you have the chance to be recognized on some of the softer skills, like good communication, being a team player, and showing compassion towards patients. If you want advice on how to crush your slows, be sure to check out our six-part series on the EM Clerkship website, or on whichever podcasting platform you prefer. Let's get back to the ERAS application. Even though slows are king in emergency medicine, it's still important to put your best foot forward with your ERAS application. Why is that? Because the ERAS application is what provides the majority of talking points in your interviews. 
And as you may remember, interviews are also one of the most important things when it comes to final rank list decisions. In this episode, I'm going to take you step by step through the most time-consuming portion of your ERAS application, which is the Curriculum Vitae. Curriculum Vitae, or CV, is just a fancy word for resume and is often used in the context of sciences or health professions. But unfortunately, there's no option to upload a PDF of your most current CV or resume. So this is something that you must fill out manually via the online ERAS platform. That being said, it is way easier if you've kept an up-to-date CV or resume in a Word document on your computer throughout medical school. To start off, many people might ask, how far should I go back on my CV or resume? I recommend that you include mostly medical school activities in addition to any paid jobs or careers you had prior to medical school. I would hesitate to include too many extracurriculars or leadership positions from undergrad unless they were commitments that you've continued to hold to date or that were really big accomplishments. For example, being a college athlete, carrying a national leadership role, receiving a large or prestigious scholarship, or working as a volunteer EMT or CNA might be things that you would include from undergrad. Also, any research that was presented or published during undergrad can be important. On the flip side, being president of a volunteer organization for one year or tutoring for a semester might be things that you'd elect to leave off, especially if you have other experiences that are more recent or more impactful in your career. On ERAS, there are four sections in the curriculum vitae portion, education, experience, licensure, and publications. We're gonna go through each one, but the biggest one is gonna be the experiences section. This allows you to make entries in three different categories, work experience, volunteer experience, and research experience. Okay, let's go through the curriculum vitae step by step, starting with education. In this section, you'll be able to record undergraduate and medical school, as well as any graduate education you've completed, such as a master's or PhD. In addition, there will be a space to record membership in any honorary or professional societies. Alpha Omega Alpha, or AOA, and Gold Humanism are things that often come to mind. However, those are actually recorded in a different part of the ERAS application, under Personal and Biographic Information. Here you may choose to record any professional societies that you're a member of, such as EMRA, ASEP, AMA, or SNMA. There's also an opportunity to record any medical school awards, such as scholarships you've received, research awards, or community service awards. Then finally, there's a box for other awards and accomplishments. This may be a little bit ambiguous to some, but here are some things you could consider putting in this section. If you earned any very substantial college awards, honors, or scholarships, you could put that here. Also, if you received any awards in your previous career or graduate program, those could also go here. Finally, if you have any additional certifications, such as EMT or licensed translator, those could also go in this section. The next part of the curriculum vitae is the experience section. Like I said before, this is the bulk of the curriculum vitae section. First, you'll be able to list any prior training that you've completed, such as a transitional year or an entirely different residency. Then you'll get to what's called the experience log. This is where you will be able to create an entry for each of your major experiences from your CV. There are three broad categories of experiences to choose from. Work experience, 
volunteer experience, and research experience. While these seem fairly straightforward, they can actually be somewhat confusing in practice. As stated on the ERAS website, work experience includes not only paid work, but also clinical and teaching experience. I consider these clinical and teaching experiences to be those that are essentially unpaid jobs, such as being a tutor, a TA, or a volunteer EMT. I would not include things like shadowing or formal rotations. Volunteer experience includes not only public service work, but also any extracurriculars you participated in and any leadership roles you held. If you held multiple leadership roles within one organization, you may be able to lump these into a single entry or choose to separate them if they are complex and distinct enough to where you think they require two different entries. Lastly, there's the research experience category. There will be another spot in the curriculum vitae to list any presentations or publications, so I suggest you simply make one entry for each lab or project that you've worked on. Once you've sorted all of your experiences from your CV into these three types, you can begin doing the entries. Each entry will ask you for things like the organization name, your position, the dates of participation, and the location. There is also the option to list a supervisor name and the hours per week that you spent on this activity. While neither of these components are required, they can add some credibility to your experience. If you truly spent several hours per week on something, this can be a great way to show the extent of your time commitment and your dedication to such an involved project. However, don't exaggerate and put 10 hours per week on four different activities. Program leadership aren't stupid. They're going to wonder if you are really putting in 40-hour work weeks on extracurriculars alone. So again, be detailed, but don't exaggerate. For each entry, there will be an approximately 1,000-character description section. It's okay to use either bullets or full sentences here, as long as you are succinct. Program leadership are getting hundreds to thousands of applications, so you definitely want to keep it short and sweet. Describe what the organization does if it isn't obvious, and that includes spelling out any acronyms. Then, describe what your role was within the organization using action words and specific descriptors. For example, I led a team of 10 medical students to organize three free blood pressure clinics over a six-month period. Or, I consented 50 patients into a focus group study, helped conduct the focus groups, and also analyzed the data using a computer software. The last part of each entry is a box that states reason for leaving. Don't overthink this. It can be as simple as graduated, completed project, or annual leadership transition. Okay, so that experience section was a lot, but to boil it down to a few simple steps. First, make sure to update your resume or CV. Then, sort everything from your resume or CV into one of three categories, work experience, volunteer experience, or research experience. Unpaid clinical or teaching experience can go under work, and leadership or extracurriculars can go under volunteer. Finally, make sure to describe your activities in a specific but succinct way. The goal is for programs to understand enough about the activity to see generally how it contributed to your education and skill set. If they have any further questions about the activity's specifics, then that's great fodder for your interview. The next part of the curriculum vitae is licensure. This will be a section that's uneventful for many, but if you have a prior medical license or board certification, you can list it here. Also, you're required to disclose any run-ins with the law, such as misdemeanors or felonies. Finally, there's the publication section. 
This can be very anxiety provoking for many medical students, but I'll be the first one to say if you've never had a paper published, don't worry. As we mentioned before, research experience is one of the least valued things in emergency medicine. Also, this section gives you tons of options. You'll be able to enter peer-reviewed journal articles that have either been published, but also those that have been submitted or accepted but not yet published. In addition, there's an opportunity to list any poster or oral presentations that you've done. Many medical schools have a student research day, and this is a great opportunity for students to have a poster or oral presentation. Also, definitely include any regional or national conferences that you presented at. Finally, there's the opportunity to record any peer-reviewed or non-peer-reviewed online publications. This might apply if you submitted any blog posts or had an article published in a local newspaper, especially if it's relating to a medical topic. In review, the Curriculum Vitae section in ERAS has four major parts. You will be able to list any prior education or licensure. You will also have the opportunity to list experiences under one of three categories, work, volunteer, or research. Be sure to be specific about what the organization or project was, what your specific role was, the time commitment, and what skills you gained from it. However, be concise and feel free to use bullets. Lastly, there's an opportunity to list research presentations and publications. Don't feel a pressure to fill this section, and definitely be wary of overinflating your involvement in various research projects. It's very easy for program leadership to look up any publications, so you don't want to be dishonest in this section. Finally, I want to mention a few other things about the personal and biographic information section that you may also need to think about. In addition to basic demographics, contact information, and citizenship or work authorization, the personal and biographic information section has a few other places that allow you to highlight accomplishments or interests. If you are proficient or fluent in another language, you'll be able to list this here, and it has categories with descriptors to accurately convey the degree of fluency that you have. Remember, anything on your application is fair game, so it's not out of the question that you could get an interviewer who is also fluent in that language and wants to strike up a conversation. There are also spaces to indicate any active ACLS, BLS, or PAL certifications, AOA membership, or Gold Humanism Society membership. Lastly, we have the best section on the entire ERAS application. Are you ready? Hobbies. And let me tell you, people in emergency medicine love their hobbies. I cannot tell you how many times myself or my friends got asked about one of our hobbies on interviews. And to be honest, those were some of my favorite interview conversations. Don't feel pressured to boast in this section. You don't need to be the stereotypical EM candidate who loves rock climbing, mountain biking, and scuba diving. You also don't have to have run the Boston Marathon or have awards for your photography. Whatever you like doing, whether that's gardening, baking, binging crime podcasts, watching documentaries, drawing your own comics, going for walks with your dog, or playing baseball in the backyard with your kids, you never know when you might have something in common with someone. Or... You, they might not know anything about your unique hobby and be curious to learn more about it. Okay, that was a jam-packed episode. We talked about what components of the application are most important to program leadership. Those things are slows, EM grades, and the interview. We also talked about how the curriculum vitae section on ERAS can be time-consuming to fill out, but provides your interviewers with tons of information about all the cool things you've done. Don't worry so much about what to put where 
and if you have enough of this activity versus that one. Do focus on describing your activities specifically but succinctly with action words that describe your role and accomplishments. Above all, be honest. And don't forget to have some fun on the hobbies section. If you have any more questions about the ERAS application process or other things you want to hear about on this podcast, let me know at maddie at emclerkship.com. In the meantime, keep your CV and resume updated. Next time on this podcast, we'll be discussing how to assess your competitiveness and how to select which programs to apply to. In the meantime, keep working hard, keep studying, and be sure to enjoy your shift.